Hey, good morning, church. How y'all doing this morning? Good. I'm doing great, too. Thanks for asking. Hey, uh, if you're new to Desert Springs, I'm so glad you're here today. I wanted to catch you up real quick. We have been talking as a church family over these last few weeks about what it means to build a legacy of blessing in our community. As a church family, we've been around for about 42 years, and uh, we believe that God's not done with us yet. And we talk a lot about how God, we're asking God, how do you want us to build this legacy of blessing in our community? And uh, he's answering that in a variety of different ways. One of the things that we're, uh, we just recently launched is called Build 100. You can find more information on that out in the lobby. There's a display there uh, with a website. Make sure you check that out, and that'll uh, give you all the information you need to get caught up with where we're at as a church. We also know that part of building a legacy of blessing in this city uh, is going to require us as a church family to change and to grow and to be equipped. And one particular area uh, comes to mind today, and that is kids. North Phoenix is full of them. (laughs) There are kids all over the place. I mean, they're at the parks, they're at the grocery stores, they're in daycares, they're everywhere. And I know that when I'm around kids, there's a part of me that's like, amen, praise God for all these kids. Then there's another part of me, especially when I see him engaging in behaviors that I don't think are appropriate. And I say things like, like, like in my moments, you know, not all the time, but in my moments, I say things like, kids these days, kids these days, they got no work ethic. Kids these days, and their video games. Kids these days, and their phones. Kids these days. You guys ever said that? I remember one of my little internal tirades that I was on, my little mental soapbox. I was kids these days in. And the thought occurred to me, wait a minute. If it's true that children just mirror back to us the behavior of those that are influencing them, (laughs) and four of them kids is mine, Maybe it ain't the kids these days' problem. Maybe it's the parents these days. And I don't just mean like their mom and dad. Of course I mean that. But I'm talking about grandma and grandpa. I'm talking about auntie and uncle. I'm talking about parents' friends. I'm talking about older cousins and siblings. You see, it is the adults in the room. It's their corporate responsibility to raise up the kids these days. As a church family, one of the things that we believe is that God has woven us together. This is not a room just full of isolated consumers. We believe that Jesus weaves together families of different people. And if we are truly a church family seeking to bless this community, one of the things that we got to think about is how is it, does God want to equip and to change us so that we can be the people that we want to be, so that we can be a people marked by love, grace, compassion, and generosity, especially as we think about the generations that come after us. How will we, let me put it like this, how will you build a legacy of blessing for the kids in your life? We're going to talk about that over the next uh, seven weeks. In fact, I want to encourage you, if, uh, if, if you look in the back of the seat in front of you, you'll see that there's a... Um, 
uh, an invite card. I want to encourage you all to grab one of those invite cards, if you would, please. Grab one of those invite cards. You guys know I can see you, right? <laughs> grab one of them index cards. Even if you're going to put it right back later, it just makes me feel good, you know, internally. Because I know that there is a, a, an adult in your life who's got kids in their life, and they're having a hard time. And I'm going to ask you, if you're a Jesus follower, I know not all of us are followers of Jesus, that's totally fine, but I want to ask you to, uh, to take a chance. Maybe you're the praying type, that's awesome, come along with us. Maybe you've never prayed before, I'm going to ask you to take a chance and join us. And I'm going to ask that you would pray that God would reveal to you who it is that you could invite Maybe they've never been a part of a church before. Maybe it's been a while since they've been a church. Maybe they're, maybe they're just wrestling or struggling with parenting. I'm going to ask you to pray, God, who is it that you would want me to invite who would maybe be blessed by what we're going to be exploring through this series? Maybe put it on your fridge, your dash. Maybe get a tattoo of it on your arm so you can remember when you put your watch on. Anything, um, if one of you do get a tattoo, make sure you send me a picture of it. We'll put it on Instagram. I, 10 years ago, found out I was going to be a dad. My wife was, uh, she told me the news, and of course, you know, you feign the whole like, yay. <laughs> oh, all the dads in the room are like, preach. Because it's horrifying. Like a human, like, I, I'm, I'm, like they're, they're going to be like, I'm going to be responsible. And I remember thinking, what if I mess this up? What if I mess this up? And I read, you know, some books. I talked to like hundreds of other parents. I went to conferences. My wife and I went to conferences. And there's one thing that I've discovered. Have you guys ever asked that question, what if I mess this up? Am I the only one? Yeah, here's what I found out. You totally are going to mess it up. Like we're just constantly messing up the kids in our lives. Do you, are you encouraged? I mean, like, right? Like we're just constantly, but, but listen. God picks parents for specific kids, and God has never once picked a perfect parent. And he ain't never given no one perfect kids neither. <laughs> I'll tell you that much right now. Today what we're going to do is we're going to, here's another thing too, you will not find the concept of the perfect parent anywhere in Scripture. In fact, as you read through Scripture, you find that it's just a bunch of hot mess going on. Like, it's just fascinating how God can encourage us, uh, not by giving us uh, fanciful words, but by revealing to us that, that maybe the things I'm wrestling with, humans have been wrestling with since the beginning of time, and maybe the mess that I am, well, maybe that's just what everybody else is too. I'll prove it to you. Genesis chapter 16. This is like page 16 of the Bible. Like, this is like the opening salvo of the Bible, and there's this story. Now, there's a ton of messed up stuff in this story. It's a story about some parents. It's a story about a blended family. It's a story about a family with a history of abuse. Maybe some of us can relate. And there's a ton of messed up stuff. And if you sense that something is messed up, you might even say out loud the words, that's messed up. Let's try it together. That's messed up. Good, here we go. Genesis chapter... 16. Let's take a look. Oh, oh by the way, there's, these, there's, there's uh, this dude named Abram, and this, uh, his wife's name's uh, Sarah or Sarai. And they have been promised by God in the previous chapters, they've been promised by God that he would 
through them make a great nation. And like literally give them kids so that through them a great nation uh, will uh, come from their, from their kids. You guys with me? Right? That's the promise that's been given to Abram by God. Here we go. Here's the, here's the next thing after the promise. Abram's wife Sarai had not born any children. Gasp! Right? And they're old too, right? They're old in this text. Abram's wife Sarai had not born any children for him, but she owned an Egyptian slave named Hagar. She owned a slave. There we go. You guys need to take an ethics class. Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me, oh, blame shift. Sarai said to Abram, since the Lord has prevented me from bearing children, go to my slave. Hold on a minute. Where's this going? (laughs) By the way, Genesis 16 is not in any children's Bibles that I know of. (laughs) Go to my slave, perhaps through her I can build a family. She's talking about adoption here. What's she talking about? Let's keep going. And Abram agreed. Of course he did. (laughs) Of course he did. Agreed to what Sarah said. What a jerk. So Abram's wife, Sarah, took Hagar, her Egyptian slave, and gave her to her husband, Abram, as a wife for him. It's going to get so bad. It's going to get so worse. But at the very least, what we can see is this. God chooses... God uses messed up people to parent messed up people. Take hope in the fact that the mess that's in your life, God can bring peace to you. God will bring a a patience to you. But God never promises that he removes the mess. And so if you're having a mess of a time, know that God promises that he is good in the midst of the mess. We need grace. Look at how messed up Abram and Sarai are. We need grace. We put it up on the wall, in fact. We need grace. Grace, what's grace? Grace is unmerited favor. To put it another way, I'm going to push this a little bit. When we hear that God is gracious towards us, it means that based on nothing that I've done, He loves and delights in and enjoys me. Not because of the work that I did, not because of the stuff that I've done, purely by his grace, he loves me unconditionally. You with me? Here's here's how this might work in in my home. So, so, uh, So there are many of us who think that following Jesus is is religion. And to some degree, I understand that category. But here's what religion is says religion says clean up your clean up your act do good stuff and then god will love you right some of you are here today you're in church for the first time because you thought the roof was going to cave in and you want to hurt anybody but the mess of parenting in your life brought you here i'm so glad you're here today i just want to tell you all of us are in that boat we're all messed up people and the thing that binds us together is not the fact that we're all good It's that God is gracious towards us, and he has given to us his unmerited favor. He loves us not because of what we've done. Listen, my my kids, mm, 
They're always taking stuff that's perfectly good to eat or to use. And then it's a craft. And now I'm out of pasta. <laughs> so my son, he takes my pasta and my construction paper and my glue, and he <laughs> all over the construction paper. And he puts all the little pasta on there, and he comes to me and he says, Dad, look what I made for you. Now do you love me? That's religion. It's thinking that we're going to take all of God's good gifts and, and macaroni and give it to God like, eh? Is this valuable enough for you to love me? That's religion. But grace tells us that God is a good, good father. And there ain't no work that you're going to do. You are his child. You are a child of God and he loves you unconditionally. We are messed up people in need of grace. Amen? And listen, I'm gonna, I'm, uh, throughout this series, I'm going to be coming into your neighborhood. And right now what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the front door and come into your living room. I'm going to bring this home. To the degree that you recognize that you, day by day, moment by moment, need God's grace, you will mirror that to the children in your life. You might never say, you have to earn my love. But if you think that you're earning God's love by being good enough, your children and the children in your life are picking up on that, and they might actually start mirroring it back to you. You and I are messed up people in need of God's grace. And our kids are messed up people in need of God's grace. And one of our roles, for those of us who follow Jesus, one of our roles is to mirror to the children in our life the grace of God, to be gracious towards our children, not to be harsh with them, not to uh, force them to earn it. There are a thousand opportunities we have day by day to show grace instead of wrath. I remember, um, well, actually, uh, one of the things that, uh, that I don't tend to like doing is using my uh, kids as illustrations. Um, so a friend of mine <laughs> was in an amusement park, amusing, amusement park. It's a funny name. It's very amusing. And after spending basically a full paycheck on nine days at amusement parks, this friend of mine <clears throat> is getting the kids in the van, right? And it's the last day, and it's the last, it's the last, it's the end. And those kids, my friend's kids, start complaining about how it's not fair. And they pushed my friend's buttons. And my friend, who tries to live like Jesus, did not live like Jesus in that moment. My friend instantly was activated into vengeance mode because he felt like he was sinned against and he wanted vengeance. Now, my friend's a total mess. I, on the other hand, in those circumstances, would pray, compassionately say, hey, let's reason together. But my friend needs Jesus. We are messed up people. Parenting messed up people. In that moment, 
has played itself out a thousand times over and over. We have opportunities every day to mirror either religion or grace. Either earn my love or you have my unmerited favor, delight, and joy. And it's a moment-by-moment decision. As you think about the kids in your life, what are you mirroring to them? How does grace mark your interactions with the children in your life? Do we seek vengeance like my friend? Do we shame instead of uplift? You no good brat. Do we ignore instead of delight in? I ain't got time for this right now. How are we mirroring God's grace, delight, and enjoyment to the children in our lives, to them kids these days? God uses messed up people to parent messed up people. The story doesn't end there. Let's take a look. He slept with Hagar. Guys, uh, pro tip, people around you are listening. If you didn't say that's messed up, I'm going to give you another opportunity. He slept with Hagar. So that is messed up. I'm glad you cut it. And she became pregnant, gasped. When she saw that she was pregnant, her mistress became contemptible to her. So Hagar is not, Hagar is the victim, by the way. And I, I, I hope that, um, well, I'm not going to apologize. Um, this is manipulative, and this is a power rape. You get this, don't you? Abram and Sarah here are manipulative, they're overpowering an, a, a, dis, a, 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 a disinherited person, a person who's living on the margins of society, and they're forcing their will. I mean, this is systemic evil at its finest. You, you see that, right? That's messed up. And so, like, remember, Sarah gives Hagar. It doesn't say Hagar wants to hang out, right? She's caught. However, Hagar is not, she's also... Not totally innocent because she begins to find, uh, uh, she begins to deride Sarah. This is a mess. Like, you think your holiday season is messy with your family? What do you think Thanksgiving dinner was like for these fine folks? Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible. (laughs) What? You are responsible for my suffering. I put my slave in your arms. And when she saw that she was pregnant, I became contemptible to her. May the Lord judge between you and me. Oh, man. That is messed up. Abram replied to Sarah. (laughs) What did you give? I didn't. Here, your slave is in your hands. Do whatever you want with her. Then Sarah mistreated her. So, So this isn't just like was a little mean. She likely beat her. Then Sarah mistreated her so much that she what? Ran away. Now, running away in this context means running into a desert. You were certainly dead, especially if you're a pregnant slave. You guys follow me? How bad was she being treated so that she would run into certain death? Hmm. How alone she must feel. I mean, here's this child whose father says, this isn't my problem. And whose owner 
is mistreating her to such a degree that she says, I, I, I've got to leave. And so here's pregnant Hagar running into the wilderness. <clears throat> and some of you know exactly what this feels like. Some of you are there right now. Let's keep going. A hot mess is a person or thing that is spectacularly unsuccessful or disordered, especially one that is a source of peculiar fascination. How many of you have ever heard the word a hot mess? Genesis 16 is a hot mess. It is a divinely given hot mess. Genesis 16 tells us that God calls messed up people to parent in a messed up world. You know that, right? You know that when we invest in and shape and raise up children, we're doing so in the midst of a messed up world. Do you know that? What do Abram and Sarah think they're doing? They were promised by God, weren't they? They were promised by God that through them, they would have a great nation as children. And so what do they think they're doing? I'll tell you what they're doing. They are hearing what God says. And they are in their own, uh, they are deciding by their own wisdom and their own power what they think is right. So they've heard God's good promise. And then they, in a, in a power grab, say, God, you've promised that. I'm going to realize that promise my way. And my way, by the way, is right away. Y'all ever been there? Say, God wants good for me. God's going God's to sustain me. God's going to uh, cause me to prosper. We'll sing about some of these things. But then we grab, grab hold and we decide for ourselves what's right in our own mind. And we begin to use our power to realize what we think is God's word or what we think is God's promises. Like, you could easily hear Abram and Sarah saying to Hagar as they're abusing her, this is all part of God's plan. When it comes to the children in our life, are we desiring for them God's plan for them or our plan for them? I, uh, my, um, a friend of mine's son was in um, uh, uh, peewee football. Uh, flag football, and there were some of the some of the conversation went like this: How do we get them drafted? <laughs> oh, I'm not joking. There were parents who had plans for their kids. Seven years old. What do we need to do between now and they're 18 so that they can get drafted? We've only got 11 short years. Are we pursuing God's plan for our children's life or our own plans? How many of you have in your mind the ideal life picked out for your child when they're an adult? And would you be disappointed if God had different plans? There are some, oh man, yeah. I'm in your living room right now, now I'm getting to the kitchen. You want your kid to be a doctor? Would you be disappointed and angry at God if he calls him to be a missionary? You want your kid to go to college? Would you be angry and disappointed if they said, nope, trade school? 
Knowing, by the way, that every vocation is a holy calling from God. Do you want God's plan for them, or do you want your plan for them? This is so hard, right? We have got to be a people who pray the wise prayer like this. God, make me wise so that I can shepherd my child or the children in my life towards your plan for them and prevent me, Lord, from trying to author my plan for them. Are your children a disappointment to you? I know they're messed up. And they need God's grace. But it may be that things didn't turn out the way you thought. And they might be right in the center of God's desire for them. We need help. We need help in this. Uh, listen, as a church family, we don't want to just talk about these things. We want to help and equip you. Uh, two things. One, you've seen this image. I hope uh, it's on that card that Don mentioned. It's all over our campus. We want to help you take your next steps as a follower of Jesus. And there's two things I want to bring to mind as we think about what it means to disciple others, specifically to disciple the kids in our lives. We've got two uh, things I wanted to bring up real quick. Number one is we have a parenting workshop uh, on October 26th and a kid's pumpkin smash and it's going to be like it sounds. Here's the jam. Uh, we've got the whole day. Uh, it's basically um, the, the morning of the 26th. While the parents are in the workshop, we've got uh, awesome activities for the kids going on. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to participate in this. We would love to have you join us on the 26th of October. Uh, if you want more information, you want to do early sign-up, we've got a super early bird registration for it. Uh, you can use that Next Steps card and just put, I'm interested in the workshop, and we'll get you the link and the registration. Also, we have a Facebook uh, page just for parents uh, here at Desert Springs. It's a great opportunity to share resources, share some struggles, maybe get connected to a coach. If you'd like more information on that, you can put that on the Next Steps card. Just put, send me the link to the Facebook, and we'll get that in your hands. But we're also going to host a handful of Facebook Live Q&As. Uh, so that we can be accessible to you. We know, uh, especially if you've got younger kids at home, it's difficult to get out of the house after work uh, in the evening, so we just we, we wanted to do it this way so that you don't have to leave the house uh, to have a conversation about parenting. And so we want to encourage you to do that. Again, you can use that Next Steps card for all of that. God uses messed up people to parent messed up people. And he calls messed up parents to parent in the midst of a messed up world. But he doesn't, oh man, that's not the end. Watch this. Oh, so good. Oh man. The angel of the Lord. Okay, so where's Hagar? She ran, right? And what's her current state? With child. You with me? And she's fearful of whom? Right? Her, her slave owners. Because they're mistreating her. Now, watch this. An angel of the Lord found her by a spring in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. You guys know that one? It's the one on the way to sure, not the one coming back on the way to sure. The angel of the Lord, what? I love this. That gets better. He said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She replied, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. Continues. The angel of the Lord said to her, go back to your mistress and submit to her authority. Mm -mm -mm. Nope. Not wanting to do that. Now watch. 
The angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your offspring, and they will be too many to count. Now, this is interesting because that promise was made to Abraham, and, and Sarai and Abram, they manipulated the circumstances to try to force God's blessing. And here Hagar is an innocent bystander. And now she's got this child. And look, God's promise, God's loving promise, spills over into her life as well. Do you see it? God's got a ton of love to give. But it gets even more interesting. So she named the Lord. TV time out. Finding names for kids is hard. Right? Because, like, you find a good name, and then, and then the other people that are helping you name the kid is like, oh, no, I knew a person named Aaron in fourth grade, and they were a jerk. Oh, great, I can't name Aaron now because it ruined the name, for, right? You guys know? And then the other thing, too, is you're like, I want it to be meaningful. I want it to be ooh, powerful. And, and, and we actually, uh, our, our firstborn, uh, Michaela, is an amalgamation of both of our mother's names. We wanted to honor both of our moms. And so it's uh, Michalina and Kay mashed together Michaela. And then we set ourselves up for just a lot of more painful conversations because we had three other kids and we're like, I don't. <laughs> Caleb Jr., I don't know. What do you want, right? So when we name, number one, as it, m- most of the time in our culture, we, we name uh, honoring the legacy of someone who's, who's come before or, 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 or remembering. But there's another naming convention, and some of you are from cultures in where this is still common practice. You name based on the characteristics that you see in the child. Uh, for many of you uh, uh, who uh, were raised in Native American culture, uh, you know, and, and I hope that I really do apologize for this reference, but I think it's the one that every one in the room will get, um, like dances with wolves. You with me? Right? You name them for, uh, for something they've done. You give them a name. You give to them a name based on their character, based on who they are, based on what they've done. You guys with me? Nobody gets to name God. This is intriguing. At least that's what we're led to believe. In fact, only one person names God in all of Scripture. And it's a pregnant, abused Egyptian slave. And she says, You are El Roy. For she said, In this place I have actually seen the one who what? God chooses messed up people to parent messed up people. And God calls messed up parents to parent in a messed up world. But you are not alone. For God sees you even in the mess. I want you to take a big deep breath in. Because I know that even in this conversation, many of us, many of us are experiencing this flood of emotion. Many of us are reliving painful points in our childhood. Even in Abram and Sarai and Hagar's story, many of us right now are saying, that's me, that's me. And there are others of us in the room who feel regret. We've heard some of the examples and we go, oh, we can't go back. And there are some of us in this room who are just starting out. <laughs> and this has not been encouraging. And we feel isolated and alone. We feel fearful. There are some of us who have grown so cold to our responsibility as the grown-up in the room. 
that now in this moment we're just, we're just undone. So here's what we're going to do. More than just practical tips, more than just trying to get you to figure out how to, your kids should behave, starting today, what I want for you, what I want to encourage you in is this, what I, my prayer for you is this, is that you would, starting today, that you would lean into being the type of person that Jesus is calling you to be with a specific eye to the children in your life. If your parents, today, regardless of what's happened in the past, today, would you make a commitment to step out now and to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to be the kind of parent you want me to be. For those of you that are dealing with regret, maybe you have adult children. Maybe the conversation about disappointments hit home. My prayer for you is this, is that today you would give that to Jesus. Jesus does not want for you shame and guilt. He wants for you freedom and joy. You see, God's love for you is based purely on his grace. Here's why I want this for you, because I want it for me too. There is not a day that goes by that I don't mess up. I am now, my children are old enough now, where I see them mirroring back to me my besetting sins. And sometimes it's funny, but when I take a moment, it's crushing. (laughs) I did that to them. And I need God's grace. Maybe you do too. And the good news is, is that he gives it freely. He loves you so much. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. In the back of the seat in front of you is a prayer request card. I'm going to ask everyone to take one of those out. Even if you have no intention of doing anything with it, just please, would you take it out, please? You've got some pens back there. Uh, We're going to play. We're just going to put a scripture up on the screen because we need to be empowered to live this way. And whether the thing that's weighing on you is fear or guilt or shame or maybe a specific memory or, or some sort of uh, a form of doubt, what I'm going to ask you to do, I don't want you to put your name on this, but what I'm going to ask you to do is you would write it out. Write it out as a prayer. Even if you're not the praying type, today, take a chance and pray. We know that God will hear you. And write it out. And then what I'm going to ask you to do is fold it, fold it up, whatever. And then as the song is playing, just over these next few minutes, would you come forward and would you just give it to Jesus? Would you physically get up from where you're at and give it to the Lord in prayer? Because my hope for you, my prayer for you is that you would walk out of here today feeling freedom, joy, and delight, knowing that God loves you, that he is for you, that he delights in you as his child, and he will empower you. And if we choose to live in light of this truth, church family, we will truly build a legacy of blessing for those that come after us. Would you take a moment, write down the prayer, and then as the Lord leads, you don't have to do it. I'm not trying to force you, but I know that this can be helpful for us. And so when the moment comes, would you just lay it the foot of the cross.